Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for today is the gospel, which was read to you a few moments ago, a passage which clearly reflects our fourth key core value, and that is confidence, confidence in Christ. Well, our confidence has certainly been shaken the last year and a half. Pandemic has rattled us politically and financially and culturally and racially and personally. We're not so sure of ourselves anymore. Maybe we've lost a little bit of our swagger and you know, maybe that's some good that can come out of all of this. Well, the church has also been shaken. We're not yet sure what the church is going to look like as we come out of this pandemic. There are all kinds of theories out there of what the church is going to look like, what kind of influence it's going to have on society and on people's lives as we face the future. And yet, here we are, the members of St. Paul's Lutheran of De Pere, saying that we are adopting as, as one of those things that make us who we are, confidence. But notice that it's confidence in Christ who generously provides all we need for daily and eternal life. The story of Jairus, a man so much like ourselves, is really the story about Jesus. For only Jesus can impart or restore or instill in us the kind of confidence we're talking about today as we learn how to ignore, pay no attention to what people around us are doing and saying, and instead focus our attention and listen to him. For as he said to a grieving father, so he says to us this morning, do not fear, only believe. Now Jairus was a ruler of the synagogue. He was a prominent man. As they say, life had been good to him. But now his confidence was shaken. His little daughter was seriously ill. And the doctors said there was nothing more that they could do for her. So Jairus had lost all of his confidence in them. Instead, he turned, as many people do, he turned to Jesus. He went and he knelt down at Jesus' feet and he pleaded with him, My little daughter is dying. Come and just lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. Jesus didn't disappoint him. He went with him. But on the way, there was this interruption. A woman who had been hemorrhaging for 12 years. She had spent all the money she had on doctor's care, and now they were telling her the same thing. There was nothing more that they could do. But she heard that Jesus was drawing near. And she was convinced, she was confident that all she needed to do was to sneak up on Jesus. Imagine that. Trying to sneak up on Jesus, reach out her hand and touch him, and she'd be healed. Can you picture her working her way through this big crowd of people and, and reaching out at last and touching him? 
And immediately she was healed. Jairus had to have been in a hurry. Imagine how frantic he was becoming. But Jesus stopped everything and he talked to this woman. Maybe it was because she had the kind of faith, the kind of confidence that Jairus was going to need. Because you see, while Jesus was still speaking to her, some men came from his house. And Jairus knew what they were going to say. He knew. Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the master any further? Now our translation, the English Standard Version, says overhearing what they said. A better translation would be paying no attention to what they said or ignoring what they said. Jesus said to Jairus, do not fear, only believe. But believe what? How could faith overcome his fears? How could Jesus or anything Jesus could possibly do or say in that moment make any difference in what was happening to Jairus and his daughter? Well, they went on, and when they arrived at Jairus' house, there was a commotion. Mourners shrieked and wailed and flutes played all kinds of dirgeful, mournful dirges, but it was all contrived. It wasn't real sorrow, and it didn't offer Jairus and his wife any comfort, any hope. So Jesus looked at these mourners and he said, why are you weeping? Why are you making all this commotion? The child isn't dead. She's only sleeping. And they laughed at him, and it was a scornful laugh. They were probably saying to one another, how could Jesus be so insensitive? How could he be so cruel to say this at a moment like that? The child was dead, and everybody knew it. But obviously, Jesus' view of death was so much different than theirs. It doesn't have to be confusing. It doesn't have to be terrifying. People don't have to mourn as though they had no hope. Jesus called it sleep. It's peaceful. It's awaiting for a new day to awaken and arise once again. So ignoring what they said, Jesus put them all outside. And then he took the father and the mother and three of his disciples and he went into the little girl's room. He took her by the hand, and in Aramaic he said, Talitha kumi. Little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and walked around. And most of us can't even begin to imagine the sorrow of those, those parents, though some of us have experienced the death of a child. There's no way that any of us could even begin to imagine their joy in that moment. Jesus showed them that his words do have power. He showed them that death has lost its sting and the grave has lost its victory. He took all their fears. 
He took all the sorrow, he took all the confusion, and he filled them with joy. He confirmed their faith. He instilled in them the kind of confidence that we're talking about today. Our Lord showed his power over death at least three other times as recorded in Scripture. He raised the widow's son in the city of Nain. He raised his good friend Lazarus, who had been in the grave for four days. And on that day, he spoke words that have brought so much comfort and instilled so much confidence in Christians ever since he said them. You know them well. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And then he turned to Martha and asked, do you believe this? And she boldly, confidently confessed, yes, Lord, I believe you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus confirmed that faith. He instilled even more confidence when he himself died on a cross and rose again triumphant on Easter morning. Do you believe this? Do you believe that Jesus died on a cross for the forgiveness of all your sins? Do you believe that he has conquered death and that he now lives for you? In the great Easter hymn that we're going to sing at the end of the service today, we're going to confess Jesus lives. The victory is won. And we'll repeat the refrain over and over again. This shall be my confidence. Today, Jesus, your risen Savior, says to you, do not fear, only believe. And his word fills us with confidence, especially when our loved ones die, when we face their death. Of course we weep, and of course we mourn, but not as others do who have no hope. Jesus comes into that moment, and he fills us with his joy and peace. He overcomes the sorrow. He gives us hope. Do not fear, only believe. His words fill us with confidence as we face our own death as well. Years ago at a pastor's conference, the speaker handed out blank death certificates to each one of us. And he said, now fill this out. Imagine the details of your death. When, where, and how will you die? And everyone in the room said the same thing. He was going to live to a ripe old age and die peacefully in his sleep. But it doesn't always happen that way. Sometimes death comes violently and suddenly. Sometimes slowly and painfully. Sometimes to elderly people, but often to young as well. It's the words of Jesus that make all the difference. Jesus said, truly, truly I say to you, he who hears my words 
and believes in him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Do you catch the tense of those words? Has eternal life. Has passed from death to life. It has already happened in your baptism. You can be confident you have eternal life. Do not fear. Only believe. But all around us there are people who don't know Jesus. Some of them foolishly say, there is no God. Don't talk to me about this Jesus. I trust only in science. There are others who say, there are many spiritual truths, many ways to salvation. I found a different one that works for me. Others are all caught up in this secular and selfish culture. And they brashly say, it's all about me and I can take care of myself. There are even well-intentioned Christians who say, there's a limit to what Jesus can do for you. You can't expect miracles. They say, don't trouble the teacher with your prayers. In other words, what they're trying to say to you and me is that your illness is terminal. Your marriage is irreconcilable. You're never going to get out of debt. You're never going to amount to anything. Your situation is hopeless, they say. And about the church, well, they would say the best years are in the past. No longer going to have any influence on the world. It's over and done with, so they say. But ignore what they say. Pay no attention to what they say and listen to what Jesus says. If he can heal a woman who thought she could sneak up on him and merely touch him, if he can raise a little girl from the dead, if he was willing to go with a man with as little confidence and faith as Jairus had, Oh, if he would sacrifice himself on a cross for a sinner like you, there is no limit to what Jesus can and will do for you. Today, Jesus, your risen Savior, says, do not fear. Don't be afraid of death. Don't be afraid of life. Don't be afraid of the world. Don't be afraid of what they say. Only believe. Only believe his powerful word. Only believe his gracious promises to you. Only believe the power of your baptism. Only believe that you have eternal life. That's confidence. That's your confidence in Christ Jesus. Amen.
And may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.